entitled The Laws of Wealth, Psychology and the Secret to Investing Success. So before we start, I want to read a little story that is from the book. Um, and he tells a story in this book about the King um, Rama of Thailand, who on the occasion of his 60th birthday decided to enact a historic event to show how big and grand he was. So what was the gift? He chose to grant amnesty to over 30,000 prisoners. And the year was 1998. And before that, the HIV virus in Thailand had largely been contained to the prison system. But with the release of tens of thousands of prisoners into a country which had a thriving sex industry, that changed very quickly. Within 365 days, as many as one in three prostitutes had HIV. Mm. So with sad predictability, married men soon began to contract this disease and then eventually took it into the suburbs to their unsuspecting partners. Mm. So then with over 1 million ties already affected and nearly 1% of the population being sex workers, the projections for future HIV was very horrifying. And so in response to this, the government convened a, tax, a task force led by a doctor. So he was charged with effectively scaring the population straight. So his team created a dramatic scare pieces with tags like, the plague is coming. And when people checked the progress a few years later, they found that this scared straight tactic didn't do anything. In fact, mm. it backfired on them and had a very negative utility. Mm. So the problem was getting so bad, they decided to change tact. Mm. So now what they decided to do was pinpoint the root of the problem. So 97% of all HIV infection cases came from sex with prostitutes. So this information um, told the doctor to focus on the source. He must convince the sex workers to use condoms instead. Mm. So where fear had once ruled, the plague is coming, he decided to work on education, and this education yeah. took hold. So by the late 1990s, they had projected that 5 million Thais ought to have HIV. But this actually didn't happen because they changed the tactic from fear-mongering to education-based system. So in the book, the author is telling us that shame and fear are very poor incentives, and they're very bad motivators to encourage good behavior. So... Um, this book was written by a man named Dr. Daniel Crosby in 2016. Yeah. He's a psychologist and a behavioral finance expert. So in this book, he really offers accessible and applicable takes on finance, which um, have long been missed by the financial world or the self-help finance because world. Because they yeah. focus on fear exactly. as opposed to education. To education. So a long, um, for a long time, um, economists have told us that we, are that we are rational beings, that we focus on maximum utility, that yeah. we are self-interested. But from behavioral economics, we have learned that we are actually very irrational. And we've mm. done a book on that. We yeah. have, yes. Predictably yeah. irrational. We make lots of mistakes and we do not learn from them. But in this book, he says that, yes, we can identify those things, but it's not useful if we're not giving people practical ways Ways to learn from that. He yeah. says philosophizing is not helpful. So in this book, he, focus on, he focuses on behavior change and practical ways to learn how to be better at keeping your finances in check. Yeah. But most mm. importantly, he says that we have no choice. Yes. We have yep. absolutely no choice and that all of us, every single one of us, you and me, have to become investors. Mm. And there's a very simple logic for saying mm. this. Most of us are employed. Yeah. Or if you're not employed, you have a business, but your business doesn't give you back. Yes, the business can be profitable, but what do you yourself take from the business? Probably averages as much as I make as an employed person. Mm. So if we're all employed, we must invest in risk in order to be able to make money. So let me give you an example. If we say, and I, actually I didn't say it, but the Kenya National Bureau of Statistics data says that the average 
average Kenyan takes home about 53,000 shillings every month. Mm. So for the sake of this illustration, let's say that you take home 50,000 shillings. The average Kenyan takes home 50,000 shillings every, every month. month. Mm. This week we learned that you're supposed to pay yourself first. So if I'm paying myself first and I'm saving for my future mm -hmm. and I want to have a nest egg when I retire, mm -hmm. I'm going to take 10% of my 50k yeah. and I'm going to save it. Yeah. So yeah. if I earn 50k every month, mm -hmm. in the, at the end of the year, averagely, I have an annual income of 600,000 shillings. Mm -hmm. If I've been saving 10% of this, then I have about 60,000 shillings mm -hmm. every year. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now. How long do I take to work? Mm -hmm. If we say I'm a good Kenyan and I got a good job, I was lucky. Yeah. At the age of 25, I got a job. Yep. For your first serious for my job. first serious job. And I started earning this 50K, but I'm going to keep it constant all through. Mm. Yes. So we, get, we understand it? Yeah, Are we with for me? For the sake of simplifying. For the, the sake of simplifying mm -hmm. this illustration. Mm. So I started working when I was 25. Retirement age is 65. Mm -hmm. I'm going to work until the last yeah, day. Yeah. That gives me 40 good years yes, to mm -hmm. work. Mm. I'm saving 10% of my money faithfully. Yeah. So that I can have something when I retire <laughs> to live on. Yeah. So after 40 years of living, of saving this money, I have 2.4 million shillings, shillings in my account. But bear in mind, does that that sounds like a lot? But is it? It's a lot today. I don't even know if it's a lot today. But bear in mind that there's inflation. Yeah. So my 2.4 million, the buying power of it has lost value over at that years, time, yeah. over that 40 year mm. period. And also bear in mind that if I take that 2.4 mil million, I could live for another maybe 20 years. So let's mm. say quality of life in Kenya has improved. I'm going to live yeah. until I'm 85. 85. Mm -hmm. So if I'm going to live until I'm 85, let's see how long my 2.5 can carry you. That 2.4 can take, can take, can take me. You. It'll be about 120K <laughs> every year. Ooh, that comes down to about 10K yeah, yeah. every month. Oh boy. And that gives me 300 bob every day. All I'll be able <laughs> for to the afford. Next, for the next yeah. 20 years. For the next 20 years. All I'll be able to afford is a chicken in lunch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. For the next 20, 20 years. years. And that doesn't account for the fact that you are aging and therefore require more health Care. In fact, most likely I'll use that entire 2.4 million on my health care cost yeah. wow. annually. Annually, mm -hmm. alone, right? This is ridiculous. And, 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 so, and so basically, still in the first part of the book, he says the irony then, so we all need to invest in the stock market. Yeah, definitely. But the irony is that we are psychologically ill-equipped to invest in that market. <laughs> That's and, very true. And, and so what he does then is to give us nine rules of self-management to cultivate uh, a good investment behavior. Mm. Right? These are the lessons uh, that you should learn and then apply in the market. I'm going to focus on four okay. very quickly. Number one, you can't do this alone, he says. Mm. You ought to get a financial advisor. <laughs> and right? I agree. I yeah. agree with him. An expert. Number two, trouble, he says, is opportunity. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, a lot of uh, wealthy moguls in the West uh, talk about this. The time of maximum pessimism is the best time to buy. Mm. And the time of maximum optimism it's is the, the best, best time, time to, to sell. sell. I believe but you Warren know the Buffett irony, said that. Yes, but the irony yeah, is that we do so. the opposite. Whenever you've lost money or your stocks are doing poorly, then you sell them. Then and you the sell price them. is really low. Precisely. And whenever everything is going well or the market is doing well or a particular company is doing well is when you At choose to you buy, yeah, buy their mm -hmm. shares. Yeah. Now, number three, he says, once you've begun to invest, be cautious of overconfidence mm. and so he titles this as you are not special, special. overconfidence is the belief that you are all knowing you're infallible mm -hmm. and he further cautions against what he calls fundamental attribution error meaning the tendency mm -hmm. to own success and delegate misfortune mm. 
mm-hmm. right? And and so he says that we uh, shouldn't be overconfident. We should ign- we, we, because overconfidence. When you become overconfident, you, know, overconfident, you ignore potential dangers. Mm-hmm. You're over optimistic on the stock, mm-hmm. and you also veer away from your own personal competence mm. and begin to make decisions which end up costing you. Yeah. Now the last, and this book has a lot of stories, and he gives this last one through a story which I will also give. Mm-hmm. He 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 says once you succeed. Uh, beware because excess is never permanent, mm-hmm. right? And he says a savvy investor must be like the king of the east who was told by his advisors that this too shall pass. Mm, now, statement here, here, here is the, here's a story of the king, right? As you know, heavy is the head that wears the crown, mm-hmm. goes the saying, yes. right? Yes. And so once upon a time, there was a king, and, you know, with this heavy crown on his head, he asks his advisors, Please make me a ring that will make me happy when I am sad. Oh. So the so the advisors went away and they you know, thought this long problem. and hard and mm-hmm. they said, what shall we do? So they made the ring and they said uh, that they would inscribe a phrase. Mm-hmm. And, this, and, and the phrase was this too shall, shall pass. Shall pass. Mm-hmm. Now, it was a brilliant phrase because yeah. actually it did make him happy. Uh, oh, when because he was every sad. time he was sad, he would look at the inscription and say, "This, this too, too shall pass." pass but right? But it also had the unintended consequence of making him sad when yeah. he was happy. <laughs> because you look at it, the same <laughs> when reason when you go like, "Oh, this, this too shall precisely. pass." Precisely, yeah. and, and and that's the story of both business and the stock market mm-hmm. as well. You know, it moves in cycles. Yeah. So you've got booms and busts. Yeah. And the lesson for investors here is simple, and it borrows from the story of Joseph. Mm-hmm. In times of feast. Prepare for famine. Yes. In times of famine, prepare for a feast. Mm. Now it goes against our nature as human beings, and I think that's what he says. He says that the rules of investment and the rules of markets flip what we do as human beings totally on its head. Yeah. Because I would tell you, and I'm, I'm telling you, we're worried not for the books of this week. In times of feast, I will feast. Yes. In times of famine, <laughs> I, I will cry. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I will do as a human being. I will not be preparing yeah. for yeah. these things. Mm. But 